Welcome, welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it. From performing athletes, flashy new gear, and secret guacamole recipes. Yummy. We've got you covered, bro. Do you have questions? We want to find answers. Want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure? Cool. So do we. Now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral. The Supercast. The Supercast starts now. And welcome to another episode of the Supercast. Hello, hello. Happy Tuesday. Hope everybody out there is doing great. We just got back from a crazy weekend here across the USA. Um, you know, from West to East Coast, we had um, athletes going all over in the mud. Leah. Yeah, we, we kind of covered, you know, the races to look out for last episode. Um, there was a race to be had anywhere you lived, so... Um, we were everywhere. Our people were everywhere and we're so excited to start reading these race recaps as they're being posted. Oh my gosh. It's been crazy. And you know, quite the shake about there in big bear and uh, just seeing all these crazy things. It just seemed like this weekend of madness. I even got my first DNF, um, here with my relay team. It was crazy. Um, before we get going into this episode, we've got this week, we've got a special guest. We'll introduce her here in a second. Um, she had a good weekend too. Um, yep. Before we go into that, uh, we want to talk about a little bit about our sponsor, Vanga CBD. Yeah. Once again, this episode is brought to you by Vanga CBD. Um, as we mentioned before, this, you know, this product is specially engineered by endurance athletes for endurance athletes, specifically targeting the things that we as OCR athletes have to contend with: um, recovery, pain management, anxiety, um, all these things. What makes Vanga CBD extra special is that they are water soluble. Um, therefore you do get five times more CBD in the bloodstream than other typical products. Um, I sleep like a baby on this stuff. I love it. It's I great. Do they um, also they have, have a ball. That's up. great. They have hooked us up, hooked our listeners up. If you go to vangacbd.com slash brocr, um, and use promo code brocr, you will now save 15%. Um, that's their gift to you. So do them a solid and then support them. Guys, everything's on sale right now. Also on Vanga CBD site. Um, traditionally, the pace, the um, the bombs that you see there that we're using a lot on these races and stuff. And um, you know, some people are sampling it. The different things we have uh, between between heats and stuff, we we're using it at this relay this weekend. Great product, um, phenomenal use. And the the thing I love about this company is the guys that are running the company are athletes. They're endurance athletes themselves. They're passionate about endurance sports, and they're passionate about getting a good product to the masses. So once again, and, check them out. And most importantly, they're approachable. If you have questions, feel oh. free to reach out to them. Check them out. Reach out. If you have any questions, let them know. Um, Jay and Dave would be more than happy to, to help you out. Absolutely. Vanga CBD, use code BROCR, 15% off. Anyway, that brings us to today's roundtable and our guest, Aaron Rost. Yeah, a little bit about Aaron. A lot of our listeners may not know about Aaron. Um, Aaron um, is originally from California, but currently living in Boston, Massachusetts, um, and moving to Columbia, South Carolina. Um, for those of you who have not heard of Erin, um, I think most people were introduced to her on the scene back in uh, last year's 2018 World's Toughest Mudder, where as a dark horse, she came out and took second place. 
kind of made a name um, for herself. Yeah. As a background, <laughs> she's got a really interesting background I'm excited to get into. Um, she grew up playing competitive soccer and basketball, played D1 soccer at the U.S. Air Force Academy. Um, after that, she even tried her hand at bodybuilding and competed in a figure bodybuilding competition. Um, after that, she start, she discovered OCR somehow. I want to hear about that. Found Tough Mudder in 2016, had one race. Um, didn't really get into training for it, though, yet until 2018 when she decided just, I'm going to do World Toughest Mudder. Came in, kicked butt, and is now in full force into OCR. Got a trainer. Um, and this past weekend at the first toughest event for the season, Philly, Comes out with a win. So welcome Queens the to the house. show, Aaron. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, so, Aaron, uh, big weekend here. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm pretty sore, but I, I feel pretty good. Just like the normal soreness, like calves and quads and all that. But no big injuries or anything, and I'm pretty pretty excited about how it went this weekend. Awesome. So, uh, five-mile course, right? Yes. Okay. How many obstacles per lap? I think there were 20 obstacles per lap, and then okay. they opened on like a rolling basis. So the first lap was like the sprint lap, and then they started slowly opening uh, over the next hour. So. I really like how they do that to break people yeah. up in, in the course. Mm -hmm. really nice. Yeah, it spreads out the field, so it's really nice where you know you're not mm -hmm. just getting bottlenecked right in the beginning. And I think as a competitor, it keeps things interesting because you're not just running the same course over and over and over and over again. There's at least some variation. Yeah, and it kind of helps you find your stride. And they actually did something different at this Toughest, too, where after 20 miles, you got a wristband, and then mm -hmm. able to use that to bypass an obstacle. And then every lap after that, you got another wristband. So I saw some of the guys from the UK talking about that. Yeah, so That's cool. interesting. That's kind of like uh, those carabiners we saw at, yeah. at World's Toughest Mudder. It's yeah. not a bad idea. And I, th I think just bypassing one obstacle real quick like that, it can really make a world of a difference on something oh. like Mudderhorn. Absolutely. Like mentally, like I saved mine towards the end and I used them on uh, the gauntlet and Funky Monkey towards the end. And it was really nice oh. mentally. Oh, it like yeah. saved me like four minutes. And I didn't fall in. It was just really nice. Yeah. yeah it's, so and sometimes that mental break will help. Yeah. Tell us what the field was like. I mean, were you leading the whole time? What, what, was, what was the race like? So I don't really like going to these races, like thinking about that. And I wasn't really thinking about it till like the end. Um, so someone, I didn't want anybody to tell me till the end either. So I didn't really know till about 4 a.m. what place I was in. Okay. Uh, but I found out later that I was in seventh, fourth, and then first. So. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 So you, you, you had a slow build there. That's good. Yeah. About how much elevation gain do you think was on there per lap? Oh, was it good. crazy? Uh, no, it was less than a thousand feet. Okay, so but pretty comparable then to like Atlanta and what we saw there. Yeah, yeah. There was just a lot of rolling hills. So there's only one steep hill, but the rest was just pretty steady, which kind of got tough towards the end because I like to walk the hills, and some of them were just enough where I felt like I should run, but just enough where I kind of wanted to walk. So, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> so it was kind of tough at times. Absolutely. And how many uh, – so they've changed the format this year. Last year it was an eight-mile course like that. This year it's a 12 uh, – sorry, eight-hour no, eight course. Hours. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 12 hours this year how far did you end up making it uh time wise i stopped at uh 650 so okay yeah i stopped at 650 i, I hadn't i didn't really have enough time to go out for another lap and mm -hmm. i had another race in three weeks so i didn't want to like kill myself at the end yeah what was and your how many miles distance? did you get uh 45 miles that's great yeah that's awesome 
that's a good and that's that's a good gap there for that time period too yeah, um, yeah my time to it, i was like i think i'd get 40 or 50 but i wasn't sure and especially 12 hours overnight you never know how that goes right. so, absolutely not yeah so is your focus now the endurance side of things where what is your i mean because the season's really just starting now so what is your season oh, absolutely. look like I think I'm going to stay in endurance racing. I, I love those long races where, you know, okay. you start crying in the middle of it and you're in a lot of pain, but you just get through it. I, I love those races. So. Just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I see myself staying in the, the, the endurance side. That's great. Yeah. Um, so have you, okay. So it's such an interesting thing to hear though right now. So this was the first tough mutter, uh, tougher mutter of the season. Toughest. 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 Sorry. Toughest <laughs> mutter. Toughest mutter. Um, it's so it's just one letter differences on these games. <laughs> it's, it's a 12 hour difference. It's a big deal. It is. It is. It is. Toughest mutter. Um, but then we've also got, I can't believe now we're ending the U.S. championship season for Spartan Race here next month. Um, have you tried an ultra yet? I did. I actually did Spartan Jacksonville, but I was, okay. I didn't do very well. And it's not really like my my speed or it's mm-hmm. too fast for me. I'm I'm slower mm-hmm. runner, like going slow and steady. Um, yeah, I didn't know if you'd check out the ultra races yet from them. But I think that's what's like really cool about this sport, and especially as it grows, is like you know, there are people that will go on the ultra side, and then people will do the endurance side. Mm-hmm. People start kind of specializing, which will be kind of cool too. So, how did you, you know, looking listening to your background and me done a little bit of everything? How did you find OCR? So I did, I did my first Tough Mudder Mount Snow three years ago in 2016, okay. and then I wasn't able to do another one that year, and then I did a couple the next year, and then in 2018, that's when I really started doing them. Um, I just loved it. It combined like everything I loved doing. You got to run, you got to play mud, you got to do obstacles, you got to be around cool people. I was like, this is such a great community, and I just kind of fell in love with mm-hmm. it and just have continued to fall in love with it since then. You know, that's one of our favorite parts here is the community. We love just, there's something good about going to a, without with your buddies and just being able to talk about rolling around in the mud. Like it just. And it's such like a welcoming, supportive group of people. You don't Mm -hmm. too often Mm -hmm. get that in life where there are so many people just so willing to help you in any way. Um, And that's what you get when you go to these races. I mean, I experienced it several times this week and people just going out of the way to help me. They didn't know who I was. Um, And that's just really cool. It's a cool aspect of the sport. Well, I think it's really cool, too, is, you know, I think it's the only sport out there that your fellow competitors are the, you know, oftentimes your biggest supporters and cheerleaders. You know, you can be on the course, you know, technically in a battle with these people, yet you get to an obstacle and they'll turn around and lend a hand or, you know, share a goo packet or whatever the case may be. And I think it it speaks a lot to the sport and the integrity of the racers, I think. That that's you know what makes people fall in love with it. Exactly, it's like you know, you're competing against so, teammates, but like you're all helping each other achieve your goals, which is right. So cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about that in Tough Mudder though is with these distance aspects, you have time to space out a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's just like, okay, we're here for each other. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not as cutthroat. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about you know we obviously Jake and I you know or more familiar with you because you also now train with the same coach that we do, Dennis Welch and the endurance project. How did you get hooked up with, with that? That's a good question. That is a good <laughs> question. Year, I, uh, if you saw like my bio, I did, I was doing a lot of different things, but I didn't really know what I needed to do. I just thought I needed to do everything. 
which mm-hmm. I it's a trap I think a lot of people fall into. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that race, I realized I, mean, I did well, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And I realized as I was trained that I probably needed some help. Um, mm-hmm. And Dennis reached, kind of reached out to me on a post and then we started talking back and forth. And I just kind of like connected with him. And I thought he really understood me. And, um, and then, yeah, I've been working with him since then. And he's just like completely changed the way I train. I'm like way more efficient with my training. I'm not training as much, but I'm more mm-hmm. like efficient with what I do, which you guys can probably understand having trained with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just being a lot smarter with my body and like recovery stuff. And I think that's helped me a lot. Like I, I've grown significantly in the last like three months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of what's going Yeah, I think that's a common realization for for athletes that switch over and train with Dennis is that, you know, our weeks are not in, you know, crazy beast mode every day, impossible workouts. You know, it's oftentimes people are scaling back from what they're used to, but the emphasis is much more on quality versus quantity. And I think that, you know, it exemplifies in, in athletes like you and, you know, other successful higher level athletes that are putting up these kinds of results with this lower volume training. Yeah. And it's definitely a tough decision. I know I it was a tough decision to decide to start working with the coach. Cause you do lose a little bit of control over what you're doing and mm-hmm. you do have to really trust them. And that's not easy for everyone to do. And I totally respect people who can't do it. Um, but for me, like giving that part up uh, allowed me to focus on other things and just allowing myself to trust mm-hmm. them. I, I was able to focus on a lot of other things and, I'm definitely seeing it in my results, the effect of that. But it's definitely a tough decision to make. For me, one of the biggest things to transferring to this like kind of long distance ultra world um, was it's the mileage, really. So I I used to be a pole vaulter back in the day. And so when OCR first took into the scene, it was like I could do all these like crazy like, oh, let's do wall push ups. And I would like throw something out on Instagram where I was doing funny pull ups and doing goofy stuff like that. And it's, it was like, oh yeah, that's wild. That's crazy to see. And now it's like, all right, today we've just got to run for two hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, well, people don't really want to see me doing funny, goofy stuff or, but it's, but it's that celebration of that discipline really. And when you find out that you're decent at it, you're like, all right, I can, I can get into this. Yeah, exactly. So what kind of workouts are your favorite kind of workouts, Aaron? Um, I like strength stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I, well, that's the with thing the bodybuilding <laughs> background, that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, when it's like strength day, I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> yeah. um, I also like the long distance stuff, but the, the the workouts I struggle the most with are just the ones where you just have to go really hard for like 30 minutes, like mm-hmm. the time trials and things like that. Yeah. What mm-hmm. it is, I struggle with those. But I like strength days and I like like the long so what were some of the times that your training you feel really, really, really got what, – what things were you happy in uh, tougher, uh, toughest mutter this weekend that you're like, okay, I see where this has really paid off. I see where this has been beneficial. Um, I think it was – because I, I naturally like, I go slow, like, slow and steady. But this race, I tried out going faster in the beginning, and I was amazed that I was able to like sustain that for most of the race. Mm-hmm. And I realized that – you know, the work we've been doing and like the heart rate stuff has really helped. Um, so yeah, that's where I really noticed it was just how long I was able to run, how fast I was able to go for so long. Um, that's definitely an improvement in my previous races. Good deal. What Did you have a moment in your race that you're like, 
most proud of? Like, was there a particular obstacle that you struggled with in the past or? Yeah, that's a great question. There was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So during World Seven's Mutter, I struggled a lot with Funky Monkey. Like, uh, normally I don't. And Mm -hmm. first time I did it, like second ring, I fell in in World Seven's Mutter. So I never got it after that. So I've been really training. I really wanted to get the grip strength, doing a lot of rock climbing. In this race, I did Funky Monkey and fell the first time. And I was like, no, I know I can do this. So I thought about the whole lap. And then I went around and was able to do it the next three times. Awesome. Oh, great. really excited. And then I was able to do the gauntlet almost the whole time, which I was also really excited about. And it just shows that the training is really paying off. And see, yeah. sometimes it's just that little like mental break that that's, yeah. the, that's the edge you need at that point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's such a, you know, when I got it, I was like so pumped for the next 30 minutes. And sometimes that's all you need to keep going. Oh, for sure. Especially when you're doing those kinds of endurance races and, you know, you do fall into this, you know, uh, um, autopilot kind of like robo, you're just going. It's the same thing time after time. And it's just a matter of shutting off the brain and going that anytime you have those little pick-me-ups, it can totally just change the mood. Exactly. And that's the favorite part is the mental side of these races. Mm -hmm. I I love that part of it. Mm -hmm. So many people get just stuck there. And it's, I mean, we've, we've all been there before just in the, in the, in the crap hole, just like, this is horrible. (laughs) I hate everything, (laughs) but like the dark place. Yeah. I often call it the dark place, (laughs) the bad place. Um, But it's, it's really cool how like one little thing might just change everything. And it it can, it's only a second for me this weekend. We had, we, I guess so I was talking earlier I had my first DNF this weekend at my race and mm-hmm. I think back to the one moment that I was the proudest and my friend Chris Chapman um I don't know if you know Chris he's kind of older in the scene but he teaches the pose method of running and there was there's this kind of like trick that you can do with gravity and the way you lean your body and kind of falling up a hill and I mm-hmm. rocked into it and I was just like ah oh, all right this is my victory today. <laughs> well, I mean, in those moments are important. It's like, you know, finding something oh, to hold on to, finding that pick me up for me, you know, and that leads me to my next question for you, Aaron, is, you know, the, the logistical side of things, the nutrition, um, my go-to for these events is my secret weapon is my take five candy bars. <laughs> so <laughs> my pit crew knows when I am entering you know, the, the dark zone and, and need to be brought back out. That take five will pick me up and bring me right back out of it. Um, you know, and I think that in these kinds of events, you know, finding that and knowing your body and knowing your mind to get out of that is obviously key. You know, what, what did your nutrition look like? What did your, what was your plans going into it? So my, I have to have waffles and Nutella. It's like my (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right uh, it's really funny because my the girl i went with told me that the hotel had a waffle maker and they didn't so i actually went to walmart uh saturday morning to get a waffle maker so i could make waffles uh-uh. to have waffles <laughs> just <laughs> sitting there in your apartment your like so mental <laughs> like i had to have my waffles and nutella and i had them so waffles and nutella and snickers are kind of like all i ate during that there race. you go secret weapon right there <laughs> See, and that's it's so funny hearing stuff like that because, like Amelia yeah. Boone, she was the queen of Krispy Kreme donuts and stra- was it strawberry pop tarts. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so mental because like I know if I have this, I will do well. So I have to have mm-hmm. it. <laughs> For sure. Oh, it's just so funny because it's like I've met so many different athletes. Rhea Coble, uh, mm-hmm. cereal. 
She just plows yeah. cereal <laughs> and bananas. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, then speaking uh, of nutrition, what's your typical nutrition look like? Uh, like day to day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like oh. clean eater or how do you feel? Yeah, I'm it? a pretty clean eater with like the bodybuilding background. Um, mm-hmm. I eat like six to seven meals a day, um, like protein, carbs, and fat. And then at night, I try to take out the carbs and only have um, protein and vegetables. Um, okay. Yeah, I eat pretty often throughout the day. I'm a fan of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah, clean like today. Your diet is such a big part of this. Like when you're eating clean, it can definitely see it in your performance, especially like harder. Um, you definitely need to eat clean. You don't want to have like GI issues when you're trying to have a hard training day. So, so uh, the next reference to, to bodybuilding, I want to explore some of that because I'm I'm hearing more and more people like learning about their backgrounds and and bodybuilding's becoming a bigger thing in the sport that I'm you know finding out. You know how what was that transition like from from bodybuilding over to being you know running? Yeah, um, one thing I didn't like about bodybuilding is like I actually didn't run a lot when I was bodybuilding because. Uh, mm-hmm it messes up because bodybuilding is all about having muscle and having muscle in certain areas and the certain look. Um, and sometimes when you run, it messes that up. Um, so I didn't run a lot as a bodybuilder and something I didn't really like about bodybuilding. Um, so it wasn't that bad of a transition. Um, but bodybuilding has actually helped me a lot, uh, mentally. And then just like the nutrition side of things, um, keeping discipline and everything like that. How come you decided to leave it? Um, I didn't really like being on stage and things like that. I like training for bodybuilding, but I didn't really like being on stage and the performance side of it. And it was um, pretty individual. Um, and then OSTAR was like, like we talked about all about teamwork and working together. And I, I missed that coming from soccer and playing competitive soccer with the team my whole life. Okay. I trans- transitioned over. So here's a really interesting question then. What is the community aspect in like a bodybuilding world? look like compared to something of like the OCR community? It's a little more individualistic. There are some teams in bodybuilding, like the real bodybuilding team, but it's a lot more about the individual. It's way more of an individual sport. Um, So yeah, you don't really get that team. At least I didn't get that teamwork aspect of it. It was kind of like you and your coach. And Mm -hmm. that was really it. And I didn't really like that. Um, So that's kind of what I moved over to. So you don't see that as something that you'd ever return back to? No. Too <laughs> <laughs> <Not this> much. <laughs> right, right. So That's what's good. the rest That's of good. the season look like? What are your goals then within this sport? Uh, so I'm doing the Enduro in three weeks um, in Australia. Oh, are you? Oh, I don't know where you're yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Well, hot dog. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, like, said a lot about it because I'm getting out of the Air Force, too, and there's been a lot of just things going on. So I wanted to wait till it was, like, definitely happening, which mm-hmm. okay. it is. So... Yeah, I'm going to join there. My mom's coming with me. Um, well, that's quite the rumble there. And then World's Toughest Matter. So those are like my two big races this year. Okay. Well, that's so awesome. Are you thinking about doing anything of the like of the the Twin Cities or just those two really, or what you're looking at right now? If I can do one of those again, I totally would because I had so much fun this weekend. But I'm also moving, so there's just a lot of things. Oh yeah. So I'm just waiting till my life settles down before I um, figure out the rest of the races I'm gonna do. <laughs> you know, I think that's a weird. Th- I think that's a weird thing, but I think it's a good thing that our sport needs to hear more of. So, 
I've, I've got constantly people like, Hey, where are you going to this race? Are you going to this race? Are you going to this race? Mm-hmm. You've got it figured out in your head. Just talking to you yeah. here in the past 20 minutes, like, all right, I need to do X, Y, and Z. I am going to execute on X, Y, and Z. You are dialed in where some of these people like, well, and I, me and Leah both have been victims of this, like run all the races, mm-hmm. hit yeah, every oh, yeah. single venue. Um, it's refreshing to hear somebody coming on the scene not doing that. <laughs> well, especially being newer to the sport, I think it's it's so common that you know newer athletes into the sport will you know get hooked and they want to do it all and try it all. And you know we see this this burnout cycle where you know athletes will you know quickly rise to the top and be in the lead and do awesome, and they're only able to stay there for like a year or two tops because they completely burn themselves out and then injury strikes. And then all of a sudden, you know, whatever happened to so-and-so. Yeah. I mean, this sport is really hard on your body, especially the endurance OCRs. And mm-hmm. like when I do a race, I want to do as best as I can. And if you're doing them every two weeks, you just, that's impossible. Um, and then after a race, it takes, takes one to two weeks to really get back into training mode. And if you're constantly doing races, you're never going to be able to build up to anything. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So, do you do you struggle with injury? Do you have any issues that you've been dealing with? Um, I don't right now, knock on wood. But I know, like that's you know, as I'm definitely training a lot harder than I've ever trained ever before in my life. So I'm not. I mean, it, something's going to happen, and that's kind of the the name of the game. It's just you know managing that. It's eventual. Yeah, and if you do have little things, I mean, I had a little thing a couple weeks ago, and I communicated that right away and like dialed back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You, you know, if you keep pushing through stuff, it's going to continue to get worse. It's not just going to go away. So uh, that's something I've learned is like if something's coming up, I just take a step back right away before it gets mm-hmm. worse. It's going to happen, especially when you're training as hard as a lot of people are training in the sport. What's your recovery process look like? After this race? Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually take like a five to seven days before I really get back into training again. And then I usually take like three days of just eating whatever I want. And it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Girl after my heart. (laughs) I like it. And then like tomorrow and tomorrow, Wednesday, I'll get back on like a normal diet and probably start doing stuff again. But I give myself a little bit of time to like mentally recover and just kind of let my body do what it wants and eat what it wants and just relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Okay, so getting back to some interesting obstacles and some, because yeah. I'm still getting used to this, the Tough Mudder obstacles myself, because okay. um, I, I just started doing Tough Mudder last year. Um, okay. I'm coming from a big Spartan background here in the past six years or so. Um, so you kind of talked about Funky Monkey and how okay. it, like, it messed with you for a while. What's your favorite obstacle going into now? Like, you're just like, oh, it's time. <laughs> Um, I really liked Leap of Faith this year. Okay. Um, this race is where you jumped onto a cargo mm-hmm. net down mm-hmm. a pole. I don't know what it is. I just love doing it. So Now, with the Philly one that I, I mentioned earlier, I was at Tougher Mudder in Missouri. So, um, you know, simultaneous Tough Mudder events going on this weekend. And we also had Leap of Faith. And I was very pleasantly surprised because um, when we were at World's Toughest last year, leap of faith was there and I struggled on it. I got it. Like it was like, you know, I got it. I think the first one or two times I had attempted it, but then subsequent laps, I, I just couldn't get to it. Um, it was just too far of a jump. And then the reach to the, you know, from the net, like I just, I struggled with it, but here this past weekend, I was like, wow, 
this was easy. I went in there all freaked out because of how much difficulty I had at Worlds, but I found it in Missouri. It was much easier. It was closer, and I felt like the bar was closer. Was it the same way in Philly? I felt the same way. I also think at Worlds, (laughs) it was also really cold Mm because I could not get the jump grab thing at Worlds, it matter. I kept in. This Me one, too. Like I would jump and I'd be in the water with no net. But here I jumped and my feet didn't even hit the water. I'm like, wow, yeah. that was easy. <laughs> yeah, I think they moved it in a little bit, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But I also think it wasn't 27 degrees, which helped. <laughs> yeah, it was right. pretty. Okay, so this is as being somebody new in World's Toughest Motor. So that was the first time I had seen cold like that all night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got an Air Force background here. Um, didn't know if you've done anything before like that. What was your mental thought going into something like that? Going to World's Toughest Mudder? Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and facing a cold like that specifically. Um, I wasn't – I had, like, all the gear for the cold, so I wasn't too worried about that. I was just worried about going for the whole 24 hours. Um, so yeah. it's definitely um, getting ready mentally. I watched, like, a, certain YouTube videos. I watched a lot of David Goggins. Mm-hmm. And then I have certain quotes that are, like, my go-to quotes that I, like, went over to make sure they're in my head. Um, and then I just kind of went through those over and over again, and that really helped me mentally get through all of that and – Obviously, with the World's Seventh Mother, the biggest thing was r- trying to run the whole, as long as you could to stay warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. a lot, and I was able to do that for a long time. Do you feel like your military background helped you? With I do. I definitely that? think uh, basic training um, helped me a lot. Um, just mentally being able to get through that and just knowing that you're able to get through it and knowing that it's only 24 hours and you can do anything for that long. Um <laughs> So, yeah, it, I think it definitely helped me. I definitely, like, leveraged some lessons I learned from basic training and that background for World Toughest Mudder. So there you have it, guys. Um, you know, basic training and waffles and Nutella. It's going to get you. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> the obstacle course racing. <laughs> it's it's yeah, going to make you an MVP. To, I'm definitely interested to hear your take on Enduro when that's over. Um, yeah. yeah, we'd love hey, to have, have you back you, and get some advice on that. Yeah, is this your first adventure race? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's oh, definitely nice. a different, different breed. brand and different breed altogether. Being mandatory obstacle completion, and um, I'm curious. I'm very anxious to see how they handle it with the enduro side of things, because um, you know, having done the world championship courses the past several years and knowing the you know the difficulty of those courses, clearly there's no way they can maintain that level of difficulty for 24 hours. No. So, I'm I'm really curious to see how they approach this. One of the things I love about the eventuary team and those guys, they watch their numbers. Um, Adrian watches his numbers like a hawk. Mm-hmm. His success uh, is completion yep. numbers. Oh, okay. So he wants to make sure that there is every obstacle out there. I've talked to him multiple times has like a 70% success rate. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. they might not. And that's at, that's at the championship. Like, yeah, that's his some, goal. Now he doesn't always reach that goal. Let's not yeah. let's not fool people here that's because cool he like, pays attention to that. That's really cool. Yeah. He it does pay cool. attention to it. And in previous years and at least at the world championships, he didn't do it at Noram this year, but um at the world championships, they track the failures and how many people fail at each obstacle and who fails, know, where we have the bad mm-hmm. numbers at. Yeah. And then they make adjustments as necessary. So I mean, that's definitely encouraging, but you know, obviously when there's a new obstacle, you know, people may think it won't go down one way and it goes sideways. So, and yeah. especially yeah. like that, that looks even different in a 24 hour endurance race, yeah. like whole different there. People are going to start failing them no matter what. 
Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. mean, it doesn't matter how good of an athlete you are. You yeah. take the beat down for 24 hours and everybody fails. And I think that that's, you know, kind of encouraging for, for some of our, our listeners, you know, who are, you know, looking at branching into this, this, this side of things, whether it be a Spartan ultra race or a toughest event or, you know, a world's toughest mutter, you know, hearing that, Hey, elite athletes fail things too. And they take yeah. penalty laps too. And, you know, everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. I think that's hard because sometimes you feel like you have to be perfect the whole time. And that's what, <laughs> what this sport is about. It's about getting better every time, not about being perfect. So absolutely. I like yeah. that. So talking about, um, once again, like being perfect and good, we talked a little bit about the dark place or the bad place. Um, did you have a bad place this past weekend? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> where, where was the bad place this weekend? <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, honestly, I, I kind of like when I get to those points because that's kind of where you learn about yourself is when it gets really bad. And then like, what do you do at that point? Do you quit or do you go faster or do you keep going? Um, so I kind of like when I get to those points when uh, there's this quote that says like, don't cry to quit, cry to keep going. Um, and I get, I get emotional. Like I tear up in these races I did okay. Saturday night. That's just what I do. Um, and I teared up a couple of times, but you know, you just keep going and you learn, I learned something about myself at that race and I learned something about myself every race and that's what makes it so special. And that's those, are, how are you, how are you different as a person today compared to when you got in the starting corral of world's toughest last year? I just realized I am way more capable than I thought I was. Um, I got world's toughest mutter. Um, you know, when I was told I, I was, I, I was in contention, I was about to stop that lap. You know, and all of a sudden I was able to do 15 more miles at a faster split. And I just realized, wow, I need to push myself even more because there's something else in me that, you know, I haven't got to yet. Um, so that's definitely what I learned from that and what I keep learning about myself, which is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah, great. I think that anyone who's been in the position of, of completing a race like that, I think it's impossible you know, to walk away from something like this without learning something. And if you yeah. do, then, I mean, I don't know how you did it <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you have, you know, when you're out there on that course, so much of it is you're by yourself and it's just you and your thoughts and, you know, the, the record that you play in your head. You know, I like that you said you had some mantras and, and some quotes that you play in your head. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, when I enter that zone, there's, you know, a, a, a mantra that I repeat to myself over and over and over again, as I'm just left and right, left and right, you know, going up yeah. this hill, because that's where your mind starts playing tricks on you. And that's where it's easy to just say, okay, I'm done. Yeah. That's my, like, one of the lines I always say is, um, like, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It's like, I say that over and over, over again in these races. It really helps. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jacob? Do you have a mantra that you repeat to yourself when you do these things? Um, I, I've got a few. Um, <laughs> um, a big one is today's not that day. Um, uh-huh. That's good. And it's it's just today. Like I'm going to fall short, but today's not that day. Um, that's um, and there's a few. So um, to give Aaron, Aaron, you probably don't know us that well. So I do a lot of um, cold water immersion therapy training. And like oh, the Wim Hof method, I don't know how much you know about that. I don't know a lot about it. Um, I've I've learned a lot of cool stuff about breathing. Um, oh. And he's so one of the big 
quotes in the Wim Hof method and some of the breathing stuff and is just breathe. Just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Um, you're doing fine. Just keep breathing. And um, sometimes just hearing that, like for me, is like, you're okay. Just breathe. Mm-hmm. Just it's so soothing to me. It's like, okay, we're okay. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think that's what you, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's, you know, just staying calm and getting your mm-hmm. mind off the suck. You know, you guys are all inspirational and deep mind. <laughs> and I, I can remember for, you know, the past three world toughest for hours at a time, left, right, left, right, <laughs> strong, shine bright. <laughs> over and over, left, right, left, right, be strong, shine bright. The whole time is what's playing would, over in my head. <laughs> I would eventually go nuts. I, <laughs> and, and I know that that's exactly what I do. It helps me keep cadence, right? It helps me keep cadence and it keeps me focused. And, you know, I, I can't think. And it's, you know, it's, it's whatever, you know, whatever it takes to get your mind out of that darkness, I think is the key to the biggest key to success in any of these races. So much of it is so much more of it is mental than physical that the people just don't realize. Oh yeah. I, I will share this though. I will share this. So I'm, I'm a creative person and I'm a weird guy mm-hmm. and I, I, we always called me and all my friends, we've coined this phrase race brain. It's, it's mm-hmm. when you are just stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and can, we all get stupid during a race. It's mm-hmm. like we get sad, we get emotional, and then I get stupid. Yeah. And then I start inventing stupid shit in my head. <laughs> like that doesn't oh, belong anywhere in the world. It's like, like I'm running along, all right, all right, we're at, we're at, you're at like 50 miles, you're doing really good, your heart rate's at 143. What if there was a version of The Incredibles that was made entirely out of hillbillies and you called it The Incredibillies? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that'd be real good. Yep. And then that's I mean, like the next just, hour of my life. I, but that's perfect. You know, I'll sing songs to myself. I'll, you know, it, there's so much myself. more. Yeah. yeah, there's so much more about just train your brain and yeah. mental readiness. Then, you know, anything else, you know, you, you, you said it before, you know, you were ready to stop at Worlds, and then, because I'm sure your mind was like, all right, I'm good, had enough, and then you find out you're in contention, and suddenly, well, there's 15 more miles there, you know, so it's like, you're always more capable than you think you are, it's just, how strong are you to shut that negativity off in your brain, and I really think that that's what makes you know, the most important ingredient to making a successful endurance athlete. Yeah, The training comes later. The training, anyone can train. Anyone can go run miles and pull tires and whatever the case may be. But if the brain and the heart are not in it, I don't think you'll ever find success. Definitely. Completely agree. So, so quick here. We're, I think we're getting about close on our time, Leah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Aaron, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners out there about um, just – what you find, what you love about the sport. Well, I would encourage anybody, whenever I get the opportunity to talk about this, I, I want to. Um, anyone who's thinking about doing it or thinking about doing a race that they may not feel comfortable doing, I just encourage you to go do it, especially in this sport. Like, you'll have people who will help you get through it. It's just you just have to get there and start. Um, so that's what I say. Go do it because this sport's amazing. The people are amazing. And you're going to learn about yourself every race you do. So awesome. try, something to, try something new. Push yourself. Um, and you'll thank yourself down the line. Awesome. I think that's fantastic advice. And for people that, you know, want to connect with you or follow you or 
you know, see how you're doing, especially as you take on Enduro. How, how can people follow you or social media, all that good stuff? You can follow me on my Instagram. It's Womanzonian, and it was named after my boyfriend. He told me once I was more of an Amazon woman than I was a normal woman. So Womanzonian. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'm following you right now. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so excited. That's amazing. I am, and that's awesome. I love the name. Do you know Alex Sawicki? Yes. Okay, we wanted for the longest time to. I really wish she'd change her Instagram handle. For a few years ago, we started coining the nickname the Blondor. <laughs> and I, it's it's just the best thing ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Too funny. Well, awesome. We we totally appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and yeah, you know awesome. I, I love being able to connect with new people in the sport. And you know you have definitely made a you know made a name for yourself in a, in a short time, and you know came onto the scene and surprised a lot of people. And I was like, that girl's a badass. So we can't <laughs> wait to see what you do next. Yeah, you. Oh, thanks, for awesome. all, thanks for all the stuff that you guys do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we just make funny videos on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So all for right. all our listeners, that, that was Erin Ross. You can follow her, follow us, BroCR Media, myself, OCR Leah. And I'm BroSecker. Yep. Thank you for um, tuning in with us. And we've got uh, a few new great episodes here in the next yep. few weeks. We really need to talk about and unwrap everything that happened in Big Bear this past weekend. Um, yes. And, uh, hopefully we're going to have a very special episode next week about safety. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I am too. We're, we're going to have a special guest on and, and look at safety as a whole for the sport, whether it be, you know, we briefly touched on today, you know, cold and, and there's also heat and, you know, all different kinds of if issues as we are trying to really legitimize this sport. So, um, thank you guys for following us. Please leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast. Um, and let us know what you want to hear about. Absolutely. Message us. And until then, I'm Jacob Bosecker. And I'm Leah Hensley. Take care, guys. We'll see you in the mud. Take care. This has been the Bro CR Supercast, powered by Bro CR Media. We always love reviews. Oh, and shout outs too. Want to be on the review? Drop us a line. We know there are other obstacle course racing podcasts out there, but you choose to laugh with us for a while. So, thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.